0: You're going to put a picture of that goal on your jar, and we're going to identify how long it's going to take you. Have you ever heard of that term, the SMART goals, Mm -hmm. S-M-A-R-T? So it's specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. You don't sit there and say to your five-year-old, this is a SMART goal and explain (laughs) (laughs) it. But that's what you're doing for them, right? You're, you're, You're introducing them to the concept. So you make it specific. It's the goal they want you make it measurable. How long is it going to take you to save for that goal? So if they're willing to put in $2 a week into their save jar and they want a $24 scooter, you say it's going to take 12 weeks, right? You don't want something that's going to take way too long for a five-year-old because their time horizon is very, (laughs) they can barely (laughs) understand tomorrow. And then uh, the time-based is making sure that they understand how long it's going to take. And you work with them on it. So every time you get to allowance, you can say, well, we said 12 weeks. But if you put more of that spend smart money in here, guess what? You can get there faster.
1: I'm your host. And today I am joined by our founder of Blissful Parenting, Chuck Anderson. Chuck is here. Hey, Chuck. Nice to see you. Thank you. Awesome. We are also joined by a really special guest today. I'm really excited to have him on. You know, Chuck and I have been talking about bringing on someone that is in the money space and really help can really help parents talk to their kids about money and also help kids learn and understand how to be really great with money. And so we're really happy to have found a perfect person to bring on for you today. His name is John Lenz. He's the chief mammal author and creator at the Money Mammals. We're going to talk about the Money Mammals. He's also the author of The Art of the Allowance, and he's also with the podcast, The Art of Allowance. So, uh, John, thank you so much for being with us today, and we're so excited you're here.
0: Thanks, Michelle. I'm excited to be here.
1: Great. So, let's just dive right in, uh, John, talking about money and, uh, you know, parents and kids and how we can best support our kids. So, how did you get started talking about money money to parents and kids?
0: Well, it started with our kids. So, our kids are now 16 and 14, And back when the 16-year-old was very young, uh, before she was one, my wife and I were talking about the importance of, we knew we wanted to raise them to be money smart because we just knew how important it was. And our own experiences were interesting because we both came from very frugal families. But my wife, I'm sure most of your viewers, listeners know that people have different money personalities. So Mm -hmm. my wife was much more of the saver. I was much more of the spender. So to give you an example, she is the aunt who would give savings bonds to her kids. And I don't know if there's an analogous thing or if they just have that straight thing in Canada, but that was a thing. It's not really so much a thing anymore. Um, you can still do it. But people generally don't do it. And then um, she bought her first car in cash when she was you know, 24. I, on the other hand, fly out to Los Angeles right after college and to get into entertainment. And I decide I need a computer. And I have a credit card and I buy that computer on the credit card for $2,000 thing. Eventually it cost me like $3,000 in fees just because I had to have the computer. I didn't think to myself, I need to make the money for the computer. I just said I had to have the computer. In any case, it didn't make sense. It, we realized that we had to be intentional with our kids to kind of deal with the different personalities that they had. And that led us to this idea. My my natural inclination after being in entertainment was, well, let's make something that's pretty boring on its face, money smart learning, and make it fun. And just a little bit of research made it really clear that we should start early and can start early. And that kind of birthed the money mammals. And they sing the very basic song of, you know, we'll share and save and spend smart to get kids excited about just getting into making money smart, learning something that's kind of fun for them. And that primes the pump for parents to set up a system to actually help them learn to become money smart.
1: Yeah, you know, it's something that you always think, uh, I've always thought that money, teaching kids about money should come like later on, like, you know, when they're 10, 12, 14, but when they start receiving money as gifts or start, they're really excited about money. My kids are seven and four and they're so excited about money. So would you say that that's around a good time to start introducing money to kids?
0: You know, even earlier, and what I mean by that is that their awareness of being a consumer starts when they're one or two. And so they're gonna start asking money questions. They may not be like, you know, direct money questions. They may ask about, you know, what kind of dime, what kind of you know coin is this or what kind of what kind of paper money is this. But I mean more, you know, they'll ask for stuff that they want, right? That's a that's a money question. And so it's important to be prepared as a parent to start the conversation and not to put up walls and deal with, you know, you don't. There are a lot of taboos in in terms of talking with money, so you want to prepare yourself early. And once they are aware of money and wanting to purchase, which happens early, mm-hmm. then you just kind of encourage a conversation. So, for example, for a two or three year old, you're at the store, you can give them a dollar, or you can get, you, know, you can give them some amount of money and let them go through the purchase process because then they see some physical money exchange, you know, versus the swipe, the magical swiping exactly. on the card. And then once they get older, once they get to be, you know, five or six or seven, you can start an allowance and give them a more regular set of money, a regular amount of money that they can begin to learn from.
1: I love that. That's great. Now, as you were speaking about your wife and you having different money personalities, I was thinking in our own family, like, wouldn't it be a good idea for the parents to get on the same page first before they start teaching the kids (laughs) about money? (laughs)
0: That's always true, but not always the case. I think actually it's good to embrace any kind of money issues that you've had. We talked about this before we got on and which is you had asked me like, you know, this, this is some, this kind of program is very good for adults too. And I said, yeah, I've probably learned just as much in the process of teaching my kids as they have. And we can both bring our different strengths and weaknesses to the program. So I think the most important thing is being open to the conversation and the way to think of an allowance is almost more than anything else is that it setting up an allowance and setting up is being open to a lifelong conversation with your kids about money so that, and if there's an area that you're uncomfortable with, you know, you can deal with it. And it's much easier to deal with when you're talking about the basics, like younger kids, because Mm -hmm. you're not talking about anything complex. You're not talking about kind of investment and you know you the embarrassment you might have of the you know bitter bad or bad investments that you might have made mm-hmm. we're talking about like the basics so like for a 5 or 6 or 7 year old the core money smart skills are setting and saving for goals distinguishing between needs and wants and making smart money choices that last one's really key because Michelle you had mentioned that you know parents want to put off this conversation that problem with putting off the conversation is the kids are going to learn about money when they become aware of money. Mm-hmm. The question is whether they're going to learn about it from you and they're going to learn money values from you, or are they going to learn them from the media that they're watching or friends? or fr- You want to be intentional about it to get across what you think is important for them. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that totally makes sense. And especially like when this instant gratification of (laughs) it seems to be happening a lot. You know, I think that's a really great, a great place to inject that money, like setting and saving and, you know, looking towards the goals uh, with your money too. Chuck, do you guys do that in your household too? I know you've got some older kids and some younger ones and <laughs> so you're covering all the bases
2: <laughs> well one of the things that's becoming extremely evident right now especially with my sixteen year old <laughs> is that we didn't start it early enough you know and ironically I used to speak at s- seminars uh with the rich dad uh poor dad seminars and and kiyosaki so so I'm no stranger to like you know financial intelligence training and you know a lot of this stuff and I do that for my business and what I found was teaching my children and I have four is very difficult. And, you know, some of the concepts that we would use with adults, adults get it uh, in the way that we would work with them, but then with the children, not, not so much. And what we're finding now with the 16 year old is he wants things. And a lot of things have just magically appeared when we wanted them. (laughs) And so, and, and so there is that connection. And so now we, we're, we're having, I call it interesting and fun learning, where now I get to uh, try to catch up, that yeah. which I haven't been doing. So be really interested to hear with you on that, because you said it's, ne- it's never too early, um, but also, is it too late?
0: No, I don't think it's ever too late. I think, you know, the, like I said before, the, the advantage of the early is that you are establishing habits, and th- one of the most important things is establishing the control of the money is in their hands. And because what happens is, so, you, you know, your story is great. And I talked to a lot of parents who have this same, you know, the same issue, which is they are reaching into their pockets and giving the kid money when that kid needs the money. The advantage of setting up an allowance is that now they have control of the money and they're much more, they're much better stewards of their money than your money, right? And I know yeah. some people can argue, well, that is your money. Here's the thing. Allowance is, has a very definite purpose and you do have to be explicit with your kids about it and the purpose is to teach kids to learn to use money as a tool because one of the dangers everybody's going to have different views of money coming out of coming into adulthood right some people money's not going to mean as much some people money's going to be something they really want to achieve but ultimately that's something that they have to figure out But everybody's going to need money. Everybody's going to have to have some comfort level. And what we want to get to is this point where they're money empowered, and that is that money doesn't hold sway over them. They hold sway over the money to do what they, you know, whatever's whatever success they define for their lives, they feel comfortable with it. And that starts with giving them control at a young age. Mm -hmm. But it is certainly something that you can do for a teenager. Now, I I have a sixteen-year-old too, so I know it's much one of the other advantages of starting young is that your kids still look at you heroically at, at a young age and they they listen to you a little more not that the teenagers aren't listening but they're they're kind of listening through snarky comments that they're making about you as you're as you're getting these lessons across but more than anything is it's giving them control of the money so that when they're making their purchases now they're making it with their money and so probably the best thing for me to do to get to answer that question better is to explain how to set up a little allowance and then how to set up a a more complex allowance for the teens. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that sounds good.
0: Okay. So basic allowance, rule of thumb, a dollar per week per age of the child for a young kid. So this is like a starter allowance. So you set up three jars and this gets back to those choices we were talking about. The jars are share, save, and spend smart, right? Make them Clear plastic or glass jars. Clear is kind of a metaphor for the open conversation. We want to have about money. We want to get away from the piggy bank where the money's stuffed in there and hidden off. No, it's their money. They should see it. That's good. Okay. So the they get $5 and they take $1 and we require them to put that dollar into a share, the share jar. So that's teaching them that charitable giving is something that we value, right? We take $1 and put it into the save jar. That teaches them to pay themselves first. So now they have something for longer term items. And then three of the dollars can go anywhere, but they'll typically go into the spend smart jar. So for a five-year-old, now when that kid goes to the store, that's their money. And this is now where you begin to be their guide. So they'll go to the store and they may find something under $3 and then they can buy it. And we, we want to give them control to make, they may make some mistakes with that money. You know, they may accumulate some money in the save jar, have $10, and buy something you're like, oh, it's a piece of junk. <laughs> it's much better to let them make those mistakes younger because otherwise you're making mistakes like I did, where it's a $1,000 mistake, you know, paying these credit card fees for that computer. So mm-hmm. that's really the idea is you're the guide, but you're letting them have some control. And then inevitably, when you go to the store, at some point, they're going to say, can I have that? It's going to be more than the money that they have. And that's where you say, well, let's set after the tantrum is done. (laughs) And they say, you know, when you say no, (laughs) they throw their tantrum. And then you say, Okay, you done? Okay, when we get home, you are going to put a picture of that goal on your jar. And we're going to identify how long it's going to take you. Have you ever heard of that term, the SMART goals, S-M-A-R-T? So it's specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. You don't sit there and say to your five-year-old, this is a SMART goal and explain (laughs) it. But that's what you're doing for them, right? You're, you're, You're introducing them to the concept. So you make it specific. It's the goal they want you make it measurable. How long is it going to take you to save for that goal? So if they're willing to put in $2 a week into their save jar and they want a $24 scooter, you say it's going to take 12 weeks, right? And then you say relevant, it's going to be relevant. It's something you want Uh, and time-based. So uh, attainable was the A that I forgot. You don't want something that's going to take way too long for a five-year-old because their time horizon is very, (laughs) they can barely (laughs) understand tomorrow. And then uh, the time-based is making sure that they understand how long it's going to take, and you work with them on it. So every time you get to allowance, you could say, "Well, we said 12 weeks, but if you put more of that spend smart money in here, guess what? You can get there faster." So that's that's your basic allowance. You can move it up to six and seven and eight dollars as they grow older. Um, mm-hmm. Any questions about that allowance before we move into the uh, teens, tweens, and teens?
1: No, I have a question about it. Um, so at this point, allowances, are we giving allowances or is it in exchange for like chores or things like that, that we, yeah. we see allowances given for?
0: It's a good question. I, and it's funny, I just released a podcast today that gives the counter argument to the argument I'm going to make right now. Perfect. <laughs> so I don't think you need to tie it to chores. And the reason mm-hmm. is that a lot of parents think that Allowance is a handout, and it mm-hmm. is if you're not purposeful. So, in other words, if you just give, like, if you just give your kids some money and they don't understand what it's for, other than you know just spending it, then it it is it is a handout. But if you are giving it to them to explain to them that they're you're using it and you're watching over the choices that they're making, you're using it because you want to teach them to learn to use money, use money as a tool. You know, you you explain to them that you're helping them to become money smart. Mm-hmm. Then it actually has a purpose. Chores have a different purpose, and that purpose is to teach kids that to get money, very often you have to work, right? Very important lesson, different lesson. Mm -hmm. And for basic chores around the house, I don't think – and most parents are kind of in line with this idea, the basic Mm -hmm. chores. You don't really want to pay your kids for those Uh because whether you pay them or not, they have to do it. So, you know, clearing the table, it's going to be different for different families, but whatever it is, you know, cleaning your room, clearing the table, emptying the dishwasher – those things are chores they should just do as members of the household, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to teach them the lesson that chores teach, work brings money, then give them stuff that you pay for someone else, pay someone else to do. So washing the car, mowing the lawn, whatever that might be. And then they learn that lesson, but they're two different lessons. Mm-hmm. The other advantage of decoupling chores and allowance is that I've mentioned before that we want to kind of bring down the taboos in terms of talking about money. You're, you're going to have natural negativity that comes into uh into the conversation because you're gonna use it punitively you're gonna say mm-hmm. you didn't do your chores, you're not getting your allowance, and now you're getting into battles right now mm-hmm. there might be parents out there whose kids do their chores, they're wonderful, good for them <laughs> but that's that's not my experience it's not our experience it's not the okay. experience that I, when I talk to most parents so so that's that's the advantage of decoupling the chores. But there are arguments for it. In my, the podcast I just did, the woman I interviewed, Cameron Huddleston, is a personal finance journalist. Her husband is an economist. So they have an open conversation. And it sounds like a relatively positive conversation. Mm-hmm. So I, don't, I think they're, they're able to deal with that kind of potential negative, negativity creeping in. Mm-hmm. So the most important thing, though, is that you want an allowance in your kids' hands so that they have control of the money because they are the ones who need to learn how to distinguish between needs and wants, set and save for goals, and then to make those smart money choices.
1: Yeah, I think that sounds like a fantastic idea. And I like the idea of the clear jars, too, and so that they can see them. As long as I know yeah. for my kids, they want to always take out the money and play with it. Like, no. As long as we can keep them somewhere that they can just look and not play, that would be great. <laughs> oh dirty money is.
0: So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it'll, it'll be, uh, the piggy bank thing is such a crazy idea because especially the opaque piggy bank, because mm-hmm. it's hard to get the money out of the piggy bank. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's not to say that there isn't something to be said for having an account where you can't touch it. That's a different thing, right? That, that you might mm-hmm. want to have an account for your kids to do that. But in terms of this money, this is money for them to control and learn to use it properly. And you, what you want to do as a parent is resist the urge to control that. You know, so I said that we require a dollar to go into share a dollar to go into save there is another school of thought, which is that you don't require any of that. And I think that's a, also a valid school of thought, which is that because the, the, the kid can quickly make a calculation. Uh, this comes from David Owen, who is a terrific writer. He wrote a book called First National Bank of Dad. But he said, uh, he's like, well, the kid quickly makes a calculation that if you're requiring to do that, his $5 allowance is now a $3 allowance, right? Because you're requiring him to put the money in the save and put the money in the share. And um, so in any case, it, I'm giving guidelines to parents for them to understand Mm -hmm. that ultimately what you're trying to do is set up this system for control. You want to give them some control. The amount of control is to some extent up to you, but just be wary of not giving the kids enough control so that Mm -hmm. you want them to be the ones that are learning and making their own mistakes, because life's experiences are really what's going to teach them these money lessons.
1: Love it. That's great. And now there's a second part of it for the older kids that was a little bit more complex. So can you tell us a little bit about that too?
0: So we move into the breakthrough allowance is what we call it. And that's for tweens and teens. And this would roughly be anywhere from 10 to 12 years old. And with those kids, now what you're going to do is you're going to give them a lump sum allowance once a month. And we give our kids over $100 a month. Now, I'll let that sink in for some, some of your uh, viewers who are going to be thinking to themselves, no way am I giving my kids. Especially the ones that have tank kids, right? Forget that. Let me do a disclaimer here. So we're fortunate to be able to do this. We do only have two kids. That's a very good point. And you do have to adjust this based on um, your financial situation. But that, that money, it sounds like a lot of money. And I remember coaching a mom who uh, told her husband this, and, and he, he said, you, you're you out of your mind. He looked at her like she was she had horns. But after within a month, he figured it out because he realized that, number one, here are the responsibilities that go with it. So they get over $100. They're responsible now for all their own clothes. That right there, mm-hmm. big deal. All food, if they buy it at school, or if they get it out with friends, gifts for friends, and the extra money that we're charged on our phone bill for their phones. Okay, so anybody who's a parent can do a quick calculation and be like, "Oh, that's a bargain," because <laughs> the money. What happens is this: this was best explained by a money coach that I talked to, which is, it's not. If you're a budgeter, it's not an extra line item. It is now giving them control over that line item, and like I said before, I can't emphasize this enough. They are so much better with controlling their own, their money than they are with your money. They don't care about your money. They just want that (laughs) much. They're going to try to extract as much money from you as they can and then use it. Whereas if you set up a system and they know that you're not going to kind of give in, then they get smart about it, you know, and then they'll start to figure out things like, Oh, I can start selling stuff on Depop to give me some extra money or I can, (laughs) you know, they'll, it really, there's there's a lot, there's a big entrepreneurial spirit that can build out of this. But that's your basic allowance. And doing it once a month then gives them the experience of getting a lump sum that they might get in a paycheck, and they have to deal with it. Are they going to have a difficult time the first month and spend it all in the first week? Some kids, definitely. Some mm-hmm. kids figure it out quickly. But by and large, they all figure it out within a course of a couple of months that they need to, they need to be smarter about how they're allocating their money to make it through with the amount that they've got.
1: Would you include the entertainment? Like if they went to a movie or anything like that would be there. Yeah. Yeah. And they
0: can negotiate it. Like, so we would Mm -hmm. sit down. If they feel like it's not enough, we will. Then I I open the door and said, listen, you just, let's have a negotiation. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be an easy negotiation because Mm -hmm. there are, there's a lot of times. And the other thing is I have, you can download a free Google sheet on our site and and you can see how we've broken it down and it's not that you know if they're spending more on the clothes than they are on the gifts we i don't sit there and spend the time identifying those those bits we kind Mm -hmm. of look at we use that to come up with a basic allowance and that's the framework and then it's up to them to negotiate changes to that allowance if they feel like it's not enough the other thing is since we're in the middle of this COVID 19 pandemic we adjusted their allowance. Uh, we adjusted it down. and said, you're not going out and spending any of that money. We're having to kind of cut back a little bit. So that's perfectly okay to do that. So just mm-hmm. make it work with the situation.
1: That's great. <laughs> I love it. And I think that's given some really great guidelines for parents to kind of follow and in, in easy conversations to kind of have. I can only imagine that the $100 jeans now aren't so important. And maybe the $50 ones are probably a little bit better. <laughs> so I can see all sorts of great conversations around that.
0: Can I make, uh, I just want to uh, finally address Chuck's question because he's a 16-year-old. So what I would suggest for a 16-year-old who hasn't had a lot of experience with this is just pick out one of those categories. So just pick out clothes, whatever is the most important category to them. So whether it's clothes, gifts, food out with friends, just start with that. And then you can very quickly for a teenager, just move into the next, uh, the next phase and add in, add in the, you know, if you have clothes for doing the clothes, add in the communication and, you know, you can figure that out. So just modularize it to get them comfortable, but you can move relatively quickly with it. But giving them the control of at least one of those things will give them a similar lesson to what kids have learned uh, younger
2: ages, uh, moving up with an allowance. Well, I love this because this is a conversation that's happening with two of them right now, the 16-year-old and the 12-year-old who both want cell phones. And they both want me to add them to the plan. In fact, they've even been so creative that they they know which carrier I'm with and they'll go online and they'll find the different packages and they'll say, well, dad, you know, it's only just, you know, this much per month. And, you know, that's that's no big deal, right? And so I'm like, well, yeah. And then... Plus this, and then we have to get the phones, and there's all the financing, and so yeah. what you think is fifteen dollars a month is actually forty dollars a month. Yep. So you know, no. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I love what you said is like instead of no, yeah, say if you would like to use your own money, I will add you to the plan, and here's how that could work. That's what I hear you saying, uh, Chuck. You put it perfectly.
0: I'm glad you said that instead of no, because you're right, because it it turns into. I still default to no too much and I don't need to. I think what you said is the right way to do it, which is someone, they ask you for something and say, well, you've got control over it. And I'm glad you brought that up on the phone because what's interesting is we have, you know, two different personalities in terms of money with both our kids. One's kind of more of a saver. The other one's more of a spender. Parents are going to see that obviously, but the one who is more of a saver actually really wants, and she's the one who wants a new phone. And so she bought it through our plan and we financed that, you know, we'd finance that, but that gets taken out of her allowance and she wanted to do that. Whereas the other one is just waiting for us to be done with whatever phone we have. (laughs) And she wants that. She wants the used phone. She just doesn't care that much. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so that, and, and, and the other thing that can happen is in the case that they haven't saved enough and they break a phone and then you feel like they need to have a phone just, from a family standpoint, you could set up a loan with them and teach them how that works. So there's just so much, what's great about doing this is there's so many learning opportunities that come at, come about once you just open up the conversation, because then it's an open conversation about money and you're going back and forth and you're you're figuring out stuff on the fly, like this loan idea, which I got from another Mm -hmm. dad, you know, it's just, it makes it really just uh, by eliminating these taboos, you're now demystifying money, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine I had some of those lessons going into college when the first week of college, all these credit card companies are there and giving you all sorts of lines of credit. And I did the same as as you did, John. And I ended up spending way more money on interest on things that carried well into my 20s. So I am so glad to have uh, learned that lesson. It would have been nice to have like, learned that lesson a lot earlier. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, When I came, I told you I I drove across in 1991. I drove across Canada, and um, this was my first really stupid credit card move. I I, we basically I basically financed that trip across Canada on credit card, which was a terrible idea because the Canadian dollar was really strong against the U.S. dollar. It was at that time, yes. (laughs) It was so expensive, Um, and I had no idea what I was doing. I I didn't really understand exchange rates. You know, we had the VAT tax. There was all this <laughs> happening when i we was making that drive, and I'm just charging it to my credit card. You know, then I start to pay that down. Then I get a computer. So it was a it was a process of lots of really dumb moves to finally figure out. Okay, it's time to stop making those dumb moves. That's what we're what we're trying to do is move those those dumb moves earlier and make them much lower stakes. You know, mistakes, right? Mm-hmm.
1: That's awesome. And you know, before we wrap up with you, John here, it's been so great learning some of these great uh, tips. And, you know, based on the conversations that we're having in our homes right now, based on around the COVID situation, the pandemic we're having in the world right now, as we speak, what kinds of advice you have for parents right now that may be facing some financial difficulties? How do you have those conversations with your, uh, with your kids? Yeah.
0: The key thing is to recognize that, you know, kids, I, I was lucky on a podcast, I talked to a marriage and family therapist about this because I was concerned about it and I thought it'd be useful to parents. And mm-hmm. the key thing is that recognizing that the, if you are going through some financial stress, that could be, you know, you could be furloughed, you could be laid off. The kids are going to recognize that stress, so we're, we really are better off engaging with them about it. So, mm-hmm. one of those things, if you have an allowance, to say, "Listen, we're going to have to reduce your allowance. We may have to eliminate it entirely for right now." The point that the kids, when they are engaged, tend to become become pretty helpful if they know that you know you're you're you know you want to reassure them. Certainly, for the younger kids, you, you have to you have to have these, these conversations age appropriately. And Chuck can probably talk to this uh, better than I can. But I think that the, the key is that they're going to recognize your stress. So you want to engage them in coming up and helping you with solutions that are going to help the family, you know, whether that's on meal planning or that's mm-hmm. just an allowance. That's the number one thing. Then two is just asking good questions and listening to their answers. Um, and I, as I say this, I'm saying it to myself because I, I sometimes just talk through and not, don't listen enough particularly to find out what they're hearing from their friends. Because, you know, right now they're all on devices and they're going to be hearing all different types of theories about what you know is going on with coronavirus and, and how it's affecting different families. So it's good to just ask the questions. What have you been hearing? And mm-hmm. then on to what they've been hearing, right? And you don't have to necessarily respond immediately. You might have to do some research in order to respond. But that's one. And then the last thing I would say is, it's important for us to do to, to our own little self-care so we can be reassuring, you know, so that mm-hmm. we aren't just totally stressed out. So whether it's meditation, whether it's running, whether it's walking, whatever your thing is, just take whatever time you can to try to do that so that you can be, the you know, the the reassuring presence that that mm-hmm. they need and, frankly, that, that we all
1: need. Yeah. So I'm hearing fill your cup. As a parent, so then you can have support your kids are going through. And so, John, I want to thank you very much for being with us today. And I want to make sure our audience members know that you have tons of resources and getting started worksheets, breaking through allowance worksheet for parents and teens and tweens, and a uh, sample of your book, The Art of Allowance, all over on your website, which is thebuddymammals.com. And uh, make sure you check out John's uh, podcast. Sounds like you've got some really great episodes just recently as well, The Art of Allowance. And before we wrap up off Chuck, any last words from you as well.
2: Well, I'm just so grateful that you are here today and it's all the the light bulb has already gone on in a in a, in a few places and I can't wait to try that especially the the tip about, you know, letting them get their cell phone with with their own money and it's a question that we get here in our blissful parenting community a lot, the fight mm-hmm. over, you know, can I have a phone? It's a, it's a big one. So uh, right. can't wait to try that out. And uh, I'd love to hear from some of our members when they try that out as well.
0: Yeah. absolutely. Well, great. And uh, Reach out with any questions, Chuck. Cause I, I love, as you can tell, I love talking about this stuff and there, there are different ways of accomplishing these different tasks and you will run into issues. Um, but you know, it sounds like you'll, you'll, you'll have a, have some strategies to, uh, to address those issues.
1: Awesome. I can't wait to do the three jars with my kids too. So thank you, John. This has been so helpful, not only for Chuck and I, but also the blissful parenting audience out there. Thank you guys. Make sure you send your questions in, uh, for John and go check out his website and uh, check out the bunny mammals.com. So thank you, John, for being with us today. Blissful parenting family out there until next time, be safe.
2: Thank you for listening to the Blissful Parent Podcast. For complete transcriptions of this show,
1: as well as helpful links to resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website at theblissfulparent.com.